For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by Glasgow artist Panda. Thanks very much for coming on. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me. I've been meaning to get you on or trying to get you on <laughs> for ages and it's been something that we spoke about and even off camera there we were talking about should I introduce you as a graffiti artist or a street artist? But for those that are, are watching or listening, they've probably seen your big heads, you know, all across Glasgow <laughs> uh, and probably even further afield. And, and for me, I'm fascinated by the whole graffiti scene, but I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit of a, a novice. I don't know a great deal about it. So I just wanted to talk to you firstly about how you get into it a bit about the scene locally and, and how it's perceived and, you know, I will take it for there. So, so I, I guess for me, apologies for taking so long to like agree to come on. There's a big part of it that's actually like, fuck, I don't know if I want to like, put my face out there, John, because ah, it's a bit of a scary thing, John, because you're kind of told like graffiti is bad or street art, like street art is almost like a euphemism for graffiti, John. It's like, sure. oh, street art's fine, but graffiti is bad. Whereas I kind of feel as though they're quite under the of the same thing, do you know what I mean? So it's a, a wee bit unfair to do that. But I, for me, like putting my face out there. So I used to, I've drew these characters for like 15 years. I got into graffiti when I was a wee guy and my mum got me a skateboard when I was 10. And I, went, I stayed in Paisley and we went to like Paisley Town Centre and I was skating about. So like me and my mum were outside the town hall here and then there was like a group of like 15 skateboarders in front of the abbey. And they shouted me over and I was just like, oh fuck, and mom's like, go, go, skate, yeah. right? And straight away they were like, right, you're called Panda. Is that where you got it? Straight away they were just like, like seriously, so Panda? But I was, I've never sure if like how, how it came about. And like, I nearly said my, my real name there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a kind of giveaway in it there. But uh, basically they were like, oh, I'm Spin, he's Turn, he's Alien Boy. And I was like, what the fuck are these names? And it turned out they were all graffiti writers. So oh, really? like straight away I was I was already kind of interested. There was like a rooftop that had been painted in Paisley above Home Flare, and I was like, "Fuck, that's amazing! Like, how did that guy get up there?" And I think most people that get into graffiti will have a wee moment like that where they're like, "Oh, how the fuck did they do that?" Right? Like, yep. I wonder. And it's just you're intrigued, basically. And then maybe you discover like someday, or you discover like well, obviously the internet. So I was like, it was like two thousand when I kind of got in it. So it was just kind of internet was just starting to become like a big thing. So I was like, wow, man, this is amazing. There was like Photolog, which was like a website. So I was on that and then like Flickr came about and there was different things where you could discover. There was also, (laughs) it's worth mentioning, there was also a graffiti forum. Right. Well, it was a website basically where a guy called Duncan Cumming, and you can still go on this now, basically this guy, a random guy just started taking photographs of all the graffiti in Glasgow and Edinburgh and everywhere basically, right? And he was like a web developer, so he made right. an archive for it, he made a website for it, but there was a forum on it, and the forum became like the hub of Scottish graffiti, basically. No way. So he wasn't every, a graffiti artist. Wasn't he? a graffiti artist, wasn't he anything to do with graffiti, didn't know anybody in graffiti, but right. just basically facilitated the hub for graffiti at that time. So between 2000 and 2004, That's this is where everybody like gathered around, basically, like online community. And also, I'm really intrigued by it because that's kind of what people think is like the golden era of graffiti. But I'm intrigued whether it was the golden era or maybe people were actually pushing more because they knew that this guy was out there. This platform. Documented the platform, right? Uh-huh. So I, that's the thing, like, because now what's happening just now 
in the past year or so, or like pr probably two years, there's became like graffiti bloggers on Instagram. Right. There was never like a place where you would go to find graffiti on Instagram. It was just every individual artist would have their individual Instagram profile, which meant that like it kind of destroyed it in a wee bit because you're just like, right, okay, I'll go here for this person and it becomes yeah. quite like... If individual. you don't know the others, then where do you look? Exactly. And you obviously can do that thing where if you're really interested, you'll go and you'll find. But if you just want to look at what everything's happening, yeah. you need somewhere to go. So now there's like Glasgow Street Art Ja, who's like a jogger and she just runs everywhere and she cycles about as well. And I don't know, it's just mad because they just, they're always, there's another person called Ali Sees Things, I think. And there's a couple other ones. It's just like women that are just cutting about cycling and jogging, but take photos of every single thing. And it's just mad because it's like... The panda, that opens up a, a bigger question that I'm sure we'll touch on <laughs> later, right? But for me, that shows that, you know, graffiti is perceived in a certain way that it shouldn't be there. You know, that it's dirty or, you know, people look yeah. down their nose on it. But this is people that aren't graffiti artists that are seeing that as changing the city's aesthetic, you know, and making it more pleasing. They're, to the point where they're taking photos and documenting it on their Instagram pages. I it becomes really funny because so there's like I have this thing where I always like to think about so see there's like a, a there's a dad in a pub somewhere in Glasgow not right now but there used to be dads in pubs right <laughs> that knew every single football player's like number and fucking every yeah. fact about them like top trump space right totally. so in graffiti it's the exact same do you know I mean like you know everything like do you know what I mean it's it's like you're a collector basically right so you want to collect spots. So I'll go around the city and I'll look for spots and I'll be like, I'm going to paint that one, I'm going to paint that one. And you're almost going, right, I'm getting, and I'm sure there's like travellers will go, I'm going to get every country and my passport mm -hmm. right. So there's this collector mentality. And now these graffiti bloggers have became like, they're collecting the photos of graffiti. Sure. There's a very famous woman in graffiti culture called Martha Cooper, who was about in the 70s. And her and another guy called Henry Chalfon, they basically documented graffiti culture in the 70s in New York when everybody was painting trains. Right. But they were just like, they were just interested in graffiti. They were just like, what is this thing? Like, <laughs> we should take photos. They were like, we'll take photos of it. And it was just so mad because then they made a book called Subway Art. And uh, there's an amazing documentary that's just been made about Martha Cooper. So it's called Martha, A Picture Story. And it's made by an Australian kind of graffiti videographer, a woman who... It's just amazing as well. And so it's, it was supposed to be like a 10 minute thing, but it became like a feature film. And it's incredible because it tells you the story of this book coming out. They had to go to Berlin to get a publisher for it because everybody in America was like, fuck that. <laughs> no touch like it. graffiti is the devil. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, how dare you even think about making this book? And they're like, no, look, this is like total culture. Like we need to. Yeah. So they go to Berlin or somewhere in Germany, they get the book published and it only had like 4,000 copies made, right? Sure. That's it. Nothing happens with the book, like absolutely nothing. So they go back to like their regular life. I think she was like a photographer for National Geographic and just kind of forgets about it almost. But this, those 4,000 copies become the Bible for graffiti, right? So no, every really? single graffiti writer of a certain generation goes, oh my God, this it's Subway Art, right? And it's like, this is the Bible. People are photocopying it. People are stealing it. Like, everything, like... That's amazing. And in the, in the documentary, they've actually got guys, like, with photocopied editions going, look, this is the Bible. This is incredible. And from that, basically, it's mad because then a German guy eventually says, look, you do realise this is massive? And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, come to Europe and I'll take you on tour. And, we'll, and she was like, what? And then she goes and all of a sudden, everybody's like, Martha... Honestly, Martha, yeah. oh my God, Martha. She came to Glasgow uh, to SW3 for Yardworks Festival okay. and gave a talk and 
it was incredible, man. I'd imagine her like, life's totally changed overnight without her realising. But it's, it's kind of bizarre, right? It's like, but they, they're now like super famous within there, but it's like, they're famous within graffiti culture. I, I watched a video the other day where the guy, a graffiti writer from Bristol was saying, if you're famous in graffiti, you're not famous at all. Like nobody, <laughs> no, nobody knows yeah, who yeah. you are. This is so niche, do you know, that nobody actually knows who you are, but there will be like, a thousand people say to and they're like, oh my God, you're a God, yeah. you know? And basically that's what happened to Martha Cooper was she went to Germany and people were literally going like, oh my God, you saved my life. Like this book just totally, and she was just like, what? And then it's amazing because she's now like 70 and she's running about in tunnels taking pictures of people painting trains and stuff right. like that. And it's just like, wow, that's like that's the power of this thing. I would highly recommend people watch that because it kind of shows you the lineage of her and kind of tells the story of graffiti throughout it and it's got just grown men basically like hugging this old woman being like oh my god you're incredible John. like Martha you've done so much for the culture because without them documenting and making that book probably it would it potentially might not have became this massive thing John, yeah. because it's now like a super like global phenomenon like, absolutely it's just amazing how do you go from being that guy that's 10 years old skateboarding in Paisley to being you know in my opinion you can tell me if I'm wrong but you know one of the most famous faces in terms of these faces <laughs> in Glasgow, you know, in, in, in that scene. So that that for me is like a weird one and it's kind of like, I do feel slightly uncomfortable with that because for me, there's so many people that are like so much more, like they've done so much more. It was just the way that I went about it, I think, John. So for me, I think I was quite lucky the way that I went about it and in the sense of, I kind of dabbled with graffiti when I was younger. I got caught shoplifting spray paint when I was like 12. Right. And it kind of, my mum's a single parent and they took me home and like my mum and my sister were standing there like, what the fuck, like you've got money upstairs, like why were you shoplifting? Uh-huh. And I was like, because I'm 12 and I'm not like buy spray paint, right? So we just <laughs> had to, we just, and also within graffiti culture there is, they're not so much anymore, but there definitely was a kind of culture of you need to steal your paint and okay. we were young, so we were just stealing it because we could yeah. basically, but. That's what you done. It was just like sure. what you done, but there was definitely a culture of like, yeah, you steal paint and so it was part of it. And Do you think that was Partially because as well, there wasn't as many stores across the city where you could buy paint. No, no. I think it was just, it was definitely for us, it was the age thing. Right, it was yeah. like, we couldn't actually go in and buy it. Right? So sure. it was just, and it was like, I kind of clandestine, I guess. You have to be, and then we discovered, and it's that thing you discover, oh, I can do this. Right? And yeah. I can just take this paint and walk out of the shop and it's fine. Obviously up until a point when you do it at a really stupid time and the shop's closing and you're 12 and you're cutting about filling your bag with spray paint. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? Like, yeah running here and you're just like oh fuck your whole my whole reality if you're closed in at that point and I was just like oh no what have I done and we were telling lies and we had a plan to try and run away and it was so stupid John. Mm-hmm. we just we didn't realise and so it was a pure big situation to end up being I felt as though it was a massive situation but it was pure and it was like really stupid in comparison but you feel but you'd let your mum down and your sister I, I totally felt as though I let my mum down I'm really close to my mum and my sister so I was like oh fuck so I think that from that point on and it kind of impacted on me later in life because what happened was a lot of my mates ended up selling drugs and stuff like that, but it was like we were out partying, so they'd be selling pills and stuff like that. And they're like, you do realise you could sell a few pills at the weekend and you wouldn't have to work your shite job that you don't like. And I'm like, I can't, I can't go yeah. to jail, I can't do it. So I had this, but then I would happily take pills. <laughs> so I kind of entered at, at like 16, I left high school, went to do screen printing and then left that like halfway through me and Mark Worst, who's actually like probably, I would say, probably one of the best graffiti writers. He started being a graffiti writer, but now he's like a muralist and just tattoo artist. Just incredible. And I would hold him up as somebody, but 
I almost feel as though his reach hasn't been the same as mine because he came up at a very different time. Okay. So his whole, if you were able to look at his journey, you would be like, what the fuck? And I think everybody would be like, whoa, this is insane. But I think because most of his journey was before kind of Instagram and stuff like that, yeah. people are only seeing him now as this established artist. And it's like, it's almost not as amazing to see somebody going like, just yeah. at that level. Because back like, to that thing, if you're famous in graffiti, there's only a certain people know who you are. I, he's this guy. Whereas the people that, I, you know, before Instagram... He's just like a good artist. Yeah. And people, and you're on Instagram, like, yeah, he's a good artist, he's a good artist, I cool, whatever. But for me, I'm like, fuck, I've got these old sketchbooks in my house and I'm like, man, this is incredible. This is a holy that, grail. <laughs> this is incredible. I can actually see, like we used to sit in my room taking buckets and stuff <laughs> like that and just he'd always be sketching. And so I think kind of what happened for me was... Me and him were really close, but then I got really into partying, right? and so did he as well. But at a certain point, he kind of, I didn't know this at the time, but he kind of made a decision to kind of stop partying as much and focus more on art. But I remember just thinking, and I, I kind of beat myself up about this a wee bit, because I remember being like, why are you coming out and not having fun? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know at the time that he was actually not having fun because he was like, I fucking wish I was at home drawing, drawing. right now or, or yeah. doing something, I mean, being productive. So I kind of, but I, what I've realised now on reflection is I was getting a lot of my sense of self from partying and mm-hmm. being like, yeah, see here we go, and like, and pushing myself, like, do you know what I mean? You like pride yourself on being able to get the most mad with it, take the most drugs, stay up the longest, do you know what I mean? Like the sesh, basically, do you know what I mean? So I was like, I loved the sesh, and I was like... It's probably an age thing as well, though, eh? Like, I think kind of, but, but my kind of sesh thing kind of lasted quite a long time, do you know what I mean? So I kind of, I feel as though I started drinking and stuff, about 17 and then pretty consistently from like 17 up to 27 yeah i did i was in involved in totally. the sesh basically i was working kind of shit jobs and i just wasn't really doing what i wanted to do i went to australia for two years my mum like sold her house to my sister so she had money so she's like what do you want to do do you want to put like a deposit in a flat or do you want to and i was like my mate had just been to australia so i was like i'm going, going there. to australia like 100 <laughs> but i'm going there to party but I, I, yeah. I, she gave me five grand right and i was just like right cool and obviously five grand could have went very far but basically five grand got me two months of sitting on a hostel rooftop just getting absolutely mad right? like yeah. every single day and literally every single day i was getting mad right? i had two days off one of them was St. Patrick's Day. And do you know what I mean? And I was and everyone's like, what the fuck? And I was pure like, man, I've I've done it. I'm pure shaking and I'm just like, oh no. Like so Australia was a bit weird for me. There was a lot of kind of potential for like good things to happen. There was an, a gallery that was there called Juddy Roller. I didn't know anything about it, but a girl in the hostel was like, Oh, I'm seeing this guy and he runs this gallery, it's called Juddy Roller. Turns out it's like the biggest street art gallery in Melbourne, street art and graffiti gallery in Melbourne. I was like cool but I was kind of like I wasn't really that interested I would sit and sketch so for me I guess to kind of bring it back to that like how did I end up there was I was kind of sketching all the time so I I dabbled with graffiti started doing these characters in high school they kind of just came out of me drawing two circles and wee eyebrows and every like every jotter I would draw it and then I'd draw a wee nose and then it would kind of evolve from that and I just kept doing it and my mum used to always go like do you know what I'd draw something else and I'm like no I just really I drew a few other things, like I drew a, a, a portrait of her once, like mm-hmm. kind of shading that, and she's like, this is amazing, like the art teacher in my work says it's amazing, and I was just kind of like, nah, I don't know, I just like drawing these wee guys, mm-hmm. and I just kept doing it and doing it, and then kind of painted them a few times, but never really, I just never really had money for paint, or 
never really had the desire to paint. I think I was afraid of failing as well. Sure. Like, I think I really was afraid of being shite at it because when I was a skateboarder, I was never really good at that and that was a wee <laughs> bit kind of like, right, okay, fuck that. But see, as soon as you start smoking weed and taking buckets, you're like, oh, I can do this. The I can, I can take... It's, but it's not even... I don't even know if it's confidence. It's just like, oh, this is easy. Like, sure. I'm, I can just do this and, this and I fit in with everybody and we're, we're a group and we're doing this and cool. I can just get fucked and that's easy. Whereas probably to actually have to go and buy paint and then sit and sketch and then go out and paint the thing, that's like a lot of steps and a lot of effort, I guess. Whereas I was just like, oh, fuck it. It's just so easy to just sit and do fuck all. And yeah. So that became the cycle that I was in, basically, was just party and feel kind of shite about not really doing because my heart was always like, fuck, it'd be pure amazing to go and paint these characters and just never did. And actually Mark was probably the only, one of the only people to be like, look man, you fucking always talk about why I do this and why I do that. Maybe I was, pro- he was one of the only people I was probably saying this stuff to. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of level of being able to reflect on it and he was just like, man, you need to stop fucking drinking. I was a pain in the arse when I was drinking as well. Like I was really obnoxious. My, all my group of friends, and I think this is kind of a downfall of kind of Scottishness, I guess, in a way, or like maybe even just west of Scotland is you bam each other up, John. There's like, Absolutely. Banter, but it's just you bam cunts up, right? And it's just like, and we just basically, so we'd bam each other up, and it just became this thing where it's almost like trying to see who can say the most fucked up thing. Yep. You just try to shock each other. Yep. So, but that's fine in your own wee group. But then you start going out to nightclubs, and you're just horrible to people, but it's pure funny because you're like, yes. And you're basically <laughs> trying to test and see who can handle the bam up. Mm-hmm. Or will they be able to handle me being a pure arsehole to them? But you're not actually an arsehole. I had a strange moment once though when. I was out for like pre-drinks with this lassie and I'd known her for years and I didn't have any drank and like on the way up and so we started drinking, we're sitting chatting, she's like, man, you're so like, you're so different and I was like, what do you mean? She was like, oh, you're not my bit of pain in the arse, like, I didn't know you, like, you've actually kind of got a lot to you and I was like, what? I was like, this is When you'd like, not been drinking? I was feeling oh. like, this is me, like, what do you mean? She, and I think the downfall for me was most, most of my mates kind of knew what I was like when I was sober because we'd kind of some of went to college together. Or yeah. kind of, so me and Mark went to college together. Then uh, Billy, who is Gaz Mac's son, so Gaz that runs Yardworks, yeah. I went to college with him. We actually went to Cardona where Gaz used to teach. So it was yeah. kind of all kind of linked together. And so they kind of knew me. So I always had like a sense of like, no, people know what I'm like. People know I'm people not. Know I'm sorry. People know I'm saying. People don't know, know I'm not just an arsehole. But then you forget that you're only meeting like so many people when you're actually yeah. out. So I was like, fuck. So that kind of started to play in my mind a wee bit. Like, fuck maybe people don't actually know that I'm, this is just a joke, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of playing in my mind. I was also pretty unhappy in my drinking, Jane. Like, it was just, I was blacking out a lot. So I, I was binge drinking, basically, Jane. So I'd go out, I'd work for the week, and then I'd go out, and then i just get pure mad with it, basically. And then when I went to Australia, I was just on, like, back in, I started doing that thing where you just party for like two months and then I'd go away on a farm. Right, <laughs> I'd worked. go and work yeah. on a farm and I'd still get mad out there, but I'd kind of, I'd be kind of stuck in the farm. So I'd wake up, I'd go to work and then I was kind of treating it like some kind of rehab when I was still like a drink join. And then I would come back to the city. So I'd come back to Melbourne, fucking cause it again mm-hmm. and go back to another farm. And it was just weird. It was that kind of, it kind of worked. It was all right. Sure. But it obviously starts taking its toll on your body and your mind when you're Absolutely. like, Mark and that Mark and Billy actually had started a, a clothing brand called The Worst. That's kind of where Mark Worst came from. Sure. And I was just watching them from Australia and I was going, fuck, they're actually doing this thing, right? And then like, other mates were starting to do things and I'm like, I'm just here 
getting pure mad at it. Like everybody's life starting to like this was like mid so I went when I was like 23, 24. Shit. So I'm like, fuck, this is when everybody starts doing their thing. So I was just like shit. And then I don't know, like I kind of broke up my girlfriend before I went, no, I mean, it was just this whole thing, and that was definitely to do with drinking. So I was like fucking previous partners and stuff. So it was just like, I need to stop drinking. But what happens is when you're telling yourself you need to stop drinking, you actually, and then you don't stop drinking, you just feel shite. So it's like, just has this pure compounding effect where you're like, I'm so useless that I can't even stop drinking despite the fact it's totally making me feel shite. It's so bad for me. But I just can't, I just can't stop. But what was the turning point for you then? So... It's actually mad, and I, I know exactly what the turning point was. An article that I read on Vice, which is really yeah. mad, but it's this article, and it's called, like, How I Stopped Drinking, or something sure. like that. And it was a guy that basically explained how he did it, and he basically said, like, I've been drinking, and he kind of, like, I just related to it, because he was like, I'm not an alcoholic, but I think, I, to be honest, I think I, I'm an alcoholic. I think he's probably an alcoholic as well, but he was like, I didn't think I was an alcoholic, I was just binge drinking. He was a music journalist, so he was always at festivals. Sure. I used to love festivals as well, man, John, but I was like king of the fucking festival sesh, John. Yeah. I've just, I'd always lose my voice and I, at them. Like, I'd be like, Ugh. Yeah. There's a picture of me in a camping chair like this and everybody pure enjoying themselves and I'm pure like, You don't oh. look like you're having a good time. I'm like, last day, pure like, I've fucked it. And yeah. I was just like, <laughs> so reading this thing, basically, he basically said, instead of saying, I'm going to stop drinking forever, he picked a day and he was like, I think it was a festival or something. He's like, I'm going to have one last big blowout and then I'm going to tell everybody I'm stopping for three months. Okay. Because if I can do three months, then maybe I could keep going, right? That's it. But like saying forever is too much, right? And I was like, fuck, maybe I could do that. So my birthday is on the 2nd of June and my mum's birthday is the 2nd of July. Okay. And you, you do that thing where you're like, I can't stop drinking now because this is coming up. I can't stop drinking now because this is times, so right? I was like right fuck how can I and I was like right well a month is between my birthday and my mum's birthday so if I can do that and I so I just had a fucking massive blowout for my 27th birthday so sure. I was like setting the June me and Mark actually kind of had an argument I don't remember it Jane. like sure. I blacked out and apparently we had an argument and fuck knows what about Jane. don't even really sure. remember and that was like a regular occurrence I would say I would fall out people and have to be like yeah. You, get a, you wake up and you're like what did I say man like and so I just did stupid shit like that and just always having to be like I'm really sorry I didn't mean to I think I like smashed up my mate's picture of his dog once John <laughs> and was kicking it about going fucking yeah, yeah. and they're like what you doing like, like what you doing right. and so basically so on that was on like the so that was like the Friday I think my birthday was the Saturday maybe and then on like the Monday was the 5th and I just was like right that's it and it was mad because I got mad with it and broadcast for my birthday and strangely enough a guy a DJ was playing that I love called Onra and I'd seen him in Australia and I actually missed him in Glasgow because I was just mad with it upstairs in broadcast and I didn't go downstairs to see him total waste I was just like for fuck's sake man so I think I was just like right do you know what I I went on a bit of a bender for the weekend and then when Monday came I was on my own in my flat which was right across the broadcast and I was like I'm going to stop drinking and I just and I just decided and I woke up and I was like, right, I'm not drinking. And my flatmate, who's one of the managers of Indeep, okay. they were up fucking getting on it and they were like, oh, I'm waiting for 10 o'clock, Jane. And I was like, I'll go for you if you want. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? And I was like, I've stopped drinking, but I'm going to go. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, I am just, maybe this was a couple of days after actually. Sure. But I was like, I'll go for you and I'll buy. So I stopped smoking as well. So I was like, every time I try to stop smoking, yeah. the drink fucked me up. So I was like, I'll do it all in one go. And 
just decided, man, and just went for it. And mm-hmm. literally, as soon as I decided, that was it. And it sounds pure shite, John, but I'd wanted to stop for like five years, John. Mm-hmm. So all that kind of turmoil in my head had led me to that point where, and honestly, I read that article like so many times, and I was like, if this guy can do it, then maybe I can do it. And that's, I've never, like, I didn't, I was always curious about the 12 steps, like AA meetings sure. and stuff, but I never really went to them. Uh, I've actually got quite an amazing story about that as well, though, because I was always curious about it, but never went. And But the premise of 12 Steps, I guess, is that you go to a room and people are saying, I did this, so you can do it as well. And you can relate to them. So it's like a peer education thing yep. because you can relate to the person. You can see yourself within them. And I think I could see myself within, within that, that guy. Article. Within that yeah. article, I was like, I can see myself here. So maybe I can do it. And then I just did it. And it's going to be four years on June the 5th, which is like just That's coming amazing, up. So I, I think that's probably why I've agreed to do this as well because I'm like, you know what, man, like... I don't know. I don't be afraid. John. There's no point in being mm-hmm. afraid in this life, John. You've you've done so much in the past four years. So. How's that affected your your art and your creativity? Because it seems for then you've just kicked on and kicked on. It was amazing, right? So I did this thing where so I was in me and, I was in Amy's flat and which was across the road for broadcast and we had a big massive table in the living or she had a big massive table. I was like the lodger basically. <laughs> this beautiful table in the living room and we were in the muse. So I saw it was like Socky Old Street, but it was Socky Old Muse. So we were like going above Chunky Chicken, right, and they yeah. go out the back on it was this mad cool like courtyard rooftop bit, and it had these mad nice windows. So I would just sit at this table and just sit and draw, and I started doing canvases, and it's mad. See that thing over there? See that sculpture thing? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the first things I ever made, right? So right, my girlfriend yeah. got got clay, and I started messing about with the clay, and I think this was when I was still drinking, and she was like, "Oh, you're pretty good at that, by the way." So I was like. So when I got sober, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get some of that. And I'd sit at this table and I would just sit and make. And I made that. It was probably the first thing I ever made once I got sober. Sure. And so it became like this thing to me. I was like, right, cool. That's part of the story, right? It's, it's mental, right? So I then started doing these canvases and I start painting. And I kind of was like, oh, I'd maybe like to do an exhibition. And my girlfriend was like, look, you should just do it. Jane. Like, you've got like... Is she still your girlfriend? Yeah, she's right? still my girlfriend. Sometimes you need those folk to push you, don't you? I so it was amazing. It's just like, and she has, she just supported me so much. Like, it's been like fucking incredible. Like, because I don't, I, I, so basically what happened was I did, I did the exhibition. So I decided I would do the exhibition on my birthday in broadcast, right? Right, okay. So I asked... A year on. A year on, right? So one year, and I actually called it one year, right? right. Uh, no, I called it, I called the exhibition Canvai. Uh, sure. a, a solo exhibition by Panda and I made a screen print for it sure. with one of my mates who's a screen printer um, and I called the screen I wrote like on the screen print one oh, year yeah. and it was just it was so significant because I, I, I basically before I stopped drinking I was going into broadcast I, I used to work in the Admiral bar right, yeah. and I was in like so I would leave the Admiral walk up go into broadcast and I would sit in there and just get mad with it spend all my tips go back across get my money that had just been paid mm-hmm. go back in and then because I was a bar tender myself, like they knew that that's what I did. So I'd just be sitting at a bar drinking, talking shite. Sure. And then they'd close and then they'd let me just stay for like the, day, the after drinks, right? And then I'd just be in there. And then I'd go across, I'd go home and I would drink all the bevy that was in the fridge and mm-hmm. just that cycle. So to be able to go and do this exhibition there, it meant so much to me to actually be like, I'm going to do this. And it became quite a big thing for me and it just gave me something to work towards. Amazing. I was just like, right, cool, let's do it. And then... The problem was though, like the exhibition came and the the opening was amazing. All my friends were there, it was class, and like my mum and my sister were there and that. Alessia was there, my girlfriend, it was just like, this is class, do you know what I mean? Like, but I think what had started happening was because I was working in the bar, 
I was working in a bar for like, so this is like a year, I, I'd probably worked in the bar for like two years by this point, but a year sober, and I was like, fuck man, like I really don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'd started to build up this idea that I'm going to be an artist, I'm going to, this exhibition, people are going to buy the paintings, Yep. I'm going to be, it's going to be a success, do you know And maybe somebody from like a, a, some kind of other creative job is going to come in and go, do you know what man, fucking, you're fucking coming with us, do you know Nothing happened. Oh, Absolutely nothing happened. I sold some t-shirts. I sold like one or two paintings. I'd done twenty canvases, mm -hmm. twenty canvas, and I like two of them sold. And I was just like, "Fuck!" And it was how, just like, "How do you know let that affect you?" You know, it's well, I kind of, I think I did let it affect mm -hmm. me to be honest. And I didn't, I'd never, and that kind of it's connected to this fear of failure. I think mm -hmm. and I'd never really put myself out there before, sure. so I never really knew what that was like. Although, tell a lie, actually, I used to do rap battles, right? Did you? I so there's a rap class? battle online. If you search Panda versus R.I.P., right, okay. you can find the rap battle. Probably shouldn't say that because some of the stuff I say in it, people were like, what the fuck? Uh, it's it's PC now. I was, try, I was trying to be quite tongue-in-cheek about it and be kind of actually, I'm aware this is fucked up that I'm saying this, yeah. but I'm like, I'm acknowledging that this is fucked up that I'm saying sure. it, but it's kind of part of rap battle culture or something, but mm -hmm. at least I'm I'm like going, look, this is... This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm going to say but it anyway. like, But I'm saying it, Ryan, but at least I'm aware that it's wrong, Ryan. But I, maybe people are like, what the fuck, Ryan? Um... But I, so I remember doing the rap battles and I did them after like one beer mm -hmm. and it was amazing. But I used to host hip hop gigs as well. So I'd be on stage, but a lot of the time I was kind of doing it drunk, but yeah. there's definitely, I wanted to like, I wanted, there was some kind of like, I remember in high school or in primary school, I wrote like a wee thing, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And I found it years later and it said comedian. So I, I think, think I wanted yeah. to be like a performer. But, but that's, this, this is a way of showing, this is a performance. Well, I know and I'm really, really intrigued as graffiti as a performance right and I think yeah. that's why I started moving to painting towards during the day like I wanted to paint during the day because I realised like why am I doing this at night when nobody sees me mm -hmm. uh, because that's like a really strange thing for me when I've got an amazing story about that as well I was painting Woodland Roads one day right at five in the morning and a guy comes up and he's pure mad and he's like put my name up put my name up and I'm like no mate please and as this is happening <laughs> do you get that a lot? no it was no. like the only time it's ever happened and I was like fuck's sake mate I don't do letters I do these faces like I can't even write your name and he's like write my name uh, I was like fuck as that's <laughs> happening two boys walk past it on the other side of the road and I remember looking at them and they were purely like what the fuck like, yeah. and then like a month later somebody messaged me and it's negative destination and he says yo man like just wanted to say I saw you like a month ago painting in the street and I've started painting now because I saw you in that. Shut up. And I was like, fuck yes, man. I was like, honestly like, fucking paint, man. Yeah. And he's like, how do you do it? And I was like, you've seen it. Like, mm -hmm. go out at that time, just go out and paint. And he just killed it, man. And it was incredible. And I was just like, I was out with him the other day and I was just like, this is so fucking cool, man. Mm -hmm. right? Like, it just feels amazing. So I think for me, the, the exhibition thing was a pure, like it was so difficult to take and I was stuck in the bar it was mad when I got sober, I was volunteering for the signing community, right? like I was I was doing all this stuff, right? I was going rock climbing, or going bouldering, I was going to yoga, I was doing all this stuff, I felt amazing. It's funny, it's like the folk that you see on Instagram, like going dips in cold water, and, you know what I mean? Like so a, I've actually, I've started doing that now more recently, aye. which I'm actually, I was, I was just in bar at the weekend with Alessia there, and I got in the water, man, it was Class. fucking incredible, man, I was like, yes. But I don't, I, I think there's a whole thing that you could comment on people being like, I'm in the water. No, but listen, if that's if people are doing well and it's better for their mental health yeah. and it's allowing them to be more creative. I know, I think I'm just, I'm conscious of, I've almost kind of dialed down my Instagram use now yeah. because I'm conscious of, and this is getting into kind of a bit mad conversation territory when it's like, I feel as though Instagram is a bit of a scam, right? Because I think people live vicariously through other people on it. Yeah. So if I go, look at me, I'm fucking out painting, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. 
as much as I can say, look, you should all be going out doing this, mm-hmm. people are still going to sit there and just go, wow, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, this is amazing that he's doing that. Whereas I really, it's actually because something that made me start thinking about it was a woman tagged me in a photo of her daughter standing in front of one of the paintings with a big smile. And I was like, that's amazing. But it's so passive. Like, she's just standing in front of it, posing. And I'm like, I want, so then I came up with this, I started thinking about, imagine building a play park, a big heat or something. I mean, the kids can actually go in and they're like in Amazing. the mouth and all that, right? And it's like, it would be crazy because I just think there's something very much like I'm taking this photo to post on Instagram and my wee daughter's just standing there. It's like, yeah. I don't really, it's like they must be like, they might be like, but that's oh, their way of appreciating your art. I know, and it's, and it's like, it is difficult for me and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to like put people off doing that or anything. But I think just for me, that does feel as though there's a bit of a kind of strange, it's like I work with a youth group just now and stuff like that. And, I think that's why I wanted to do that and that probably feeds my soul quite a lot because I think community, do you know what I mean? I think there's yeah. like a kind of thing of there's like a, lack, a lack of community or like real kind of, you have like an online community but actual seeing people in real life and stuff like that. So valuable. And so, I don't know, I managed to kind of, I had a, a stroke of luck basically, right? So, and I've, I'm so glad this happened, right? So, it's funny because I've got that skateboard there. So I stopped skateboarding when I was quite young, did it, then just patched it, never really skateboarded. And then I see a job, so I'm, I'm in this pure depressed, I was crying a lot, right? I was coming home from the bar, or even times before I was going to the bar, I was crying to and just being like, I feel so trapped. And I think what I was really annoyed about was for five years or whatever, I'd went, if only I can stop drinking, then everything's going to be fine. And I did that. And then I fucking did an like, do you know what I mean? And nothing, like, my prop, my life wasn't fixed, basically. And I was yeah. like, fuck, like, how is this? How is this made not that working? massive change. I've like, done this thing, yeah. like, I've done the thing I needed to do. Like, why is everything not going perfect? <laughs> but then I realised, oh, no, wait, that's not actually how life works, right? And so sure. you need to just keep going and you need to keep trying to do things. And I felt as though, it's funny, I've got a video of myself saying, if I could just get an opportunity, I just need an opportunity. And then I'll just, I've always worked hard. Like every job I've had, I've been fucking like cool. I'll yeah. graft, be there, fucking everything. There's been the odd time I've kind of fucked up because <laughs> I get mad with it, obviously. Sure. But I was always a really hard worker. So I'm like, if only I could just get a good opportunity, then I can just show people what I'm about. And then something weird happened where I saw, <laughs> I saw a job advertised for an assistant manager in the skate shop in Route 1. Right. And I was like, I think I could go for that. And I remember messaging one of the boys. I didn't really know him. He was a friend of a friend. And I messaged him on Instagram and he just patched me. And I was like, oh, fuck. But then the, the job came back up. Or like, I think it was a sales assistant. And then an assistant manager came up. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. And I just wrote like a cover letter, sent him my CV, just applied. And I wrote like, fucking, I just wrote from me, from mm-hmm. my, my heart. Basically. I was like, I told them the story about skateboarding, told them that I know everybody in skateboarding because I used to get mad with it down KG. Sure. Like, I do a paint and stuff like that, and just told them exactly what I was about. And then I got an interview, and I went, and I just, I felt as though, like, I've just fucking bossed that interview. Yeah. Do you know, like, you know when you came out, man, buzzing. I've bossed it, right? And then, because I was this, I got made an assistant manager in the bar, so it wasn't like, it was like a different kind of You're still thing, but it's kind of still right? that role, so then I see my massive leap, whereas other times I was going for things, and I was like, this is me pure blagging it, and I can feel <laughs> yeah. that I'm blagging it. And like... I'm so mad actually. So I got the assistant manager job, right? And I was supposed to start like November the 16th. November the 10th comes or something, right? And the retail manager for Route One's like a an independent store, but it's a UK wide store, right? So it's it's massive, right? They've now they're like the biggest online retailer mm-hmm. for like sort of extreme sports, whatever totally. you would say. And the 
the guy messaging, so like a girl hired me, and then the guy that's like above her, like the the guy that's below the owner, basically, mm-hmm. like messages me, or phones me and goes, hey, you got a bit of an issue, mate. And I'm like, oh, what is it? And he's like, hey, the girl that's hired you has actually just handed her notice in. She'd only been there for a month. I still don't know actually what happened, right? Sure. But she left. So they're like, yeah, like run up to Christmas, like, you're probably going to have to be the manager, mate. And I was just like, like, is that even possible? Like, do you think I can do it? And he was like, yeah, man, probably. Do you know? I'm just going to have to. And I was like, right, if you think it's possible, then it must be I'm possible. Like, it, I can just, I'll just do it then. Like, if you, and he was like, cool. And I just went and I just fucking went for it, man. Like, Class. and it just made it work. They gave me, like, a, they basically set me a target because I was like, it was quite funny. This is maybe too much, but it's like, I kind of found out what the girl was getting money wise, right? Sure. So I was like, I want that. And they were like, no, 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 you kind of get that. And I was like, I fucking want <laughs> if that. I'm doing that job. I'm I'm doing, it, it's right? the same job. No, 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 different people. So he agreed. He's like, if you can meet this target, right? He's like, the Glasgow store is really shit, right? But if you can meet this target, he's like, I'll be honest with you, I don't think you'll make it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can meet this target, I'll pay you the extra grand, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, cool. I'm doing it. And I made it and I made the target and I was like, fuck yes, up your mess. I made it like a month early. And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> Give me that t- money. Today's the day. <laughs> like, it's pure. I was like, yes. So, but this job basically just gave me so much confidence. I was like, do you know what? I can fucking do this. I'm in charge of this shop. Yeah. I'm like exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. Like I was fucking going in the morning, blasting my tunes. Like I was in charge of the Instagram. Like I was buzzing, man. It was like posting my face at like, so then it was weird because then what I started doing was I was like, I'm, I was painting down at SWG3 a lot because mm-hmm. I really wanted to get into painting. I'd painted when I was younger, like sort of with spray cans, but I'd never done it like that much. Sure. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I went down and Gaz was amazing. He was like, fucking have this whole wall. Sure. And I painted these three things like over the course of like three weeks. And I was like, how the fuck have I just done that? They, like, look, how good. I, they look sound. They actually yeah. look as though they're all right. Like, how have I just done that? Like I see for those that don't know about SWG free and yard works. Yeah. How do you get into that then? Because you're saying I just went down to SWG free. I, so I, I guess there's like a wee potentially a wee bit of nepotism there because I've known Gaz for right. like since I was a wee guy. Do you know what I mean? Like sure. Billy had his 18th birthday in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, like kind of him and Mark were like part of WMD, which was like a crew. Totally. Uh, we Grant Mode actually passed away. Um, rest in peace to Grant because that was like a whole they they free together basically created that crew join and a lot of people might be like fuck that crew join because they've tagged on something of theirs join but actually it's quite i don't know for me it's quite amazing i mean like three friends kind of create this thing and it's everywhere and gaz actually said at grant's funeral that no matter what join he's painted so much i mean the mode is everywhere that the city will never be able to forget him join he's just done too much and i quite love that join him that's quite nice um so swg3 is it's not, it's not that complicated. Basically, see if you message them on Instagram and yeah. say, hey, I, I, like, I'm interested in painting, they'll find it, they'll facilitate you to go down and sure. like they'll help you out. There's, they've got a container full of paint that you can buy paint from and stuff like that, do you know what I mean? And I, surely I, you need to be good because the stuff down there is a high well, standard. I, right? so that's the thing. So there is a bit of a kind of thing and that's maybe a wee bit of a complicated, like it kind of makes it a wee bit complicated, but it ties in with that thing I was saying before we started filming where there's like a natural order of graffiti, right? And it's like, Something will be painted, but it's kind of got a shelf life, do you know? And it's like, it'll get painted over eventually. And every there's like a natural kind of, so there's the, these big massive walls, right? Mm-hmm. But like up the back, there's kind of small walls. So those kind of became like the walls that everybody would repaint. Got but it you. means that if you paint something there, the next week it's probably going to get repainted, do you know? sure. But it's just like, well, that's part of it, do you know? totally. So that's the natural thing. There's, there's spots, there's a spot just down there actually. 
uh, next to the DIY skate park that sure. just gets painted all the time. But that kind of started to become like, this is where people come to do big stuff and big amazing stuff. Yep. I actually did a walking tour there right. uh, and it ended up being like an hour and a half long because it's just right. incredible, man. And so that's the kind of natural order of that. So being able to go there and paint mm-hmm. was like, I can't even thank Gaz enough for that. Giving, and for Beza, I was like, I walked down and I was like, right, where can I paint? And he's like, paint this full thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he gave me the black paint to like paint the background. And I remember going, are you serious? He's like, I just do what you want, man. Like, that's fuck amazing. it. Like, it was like February time, I think, so nobody else was fucking champing about to try and go paint, right? It was snowing. I've got videos on my Instagram and it's like pure, like, our old stories. Mm-hmm. And it's me going, oh, it's sunny. Oh, no, it's snowing. <laughs> oh, like, what the fuck? So being able to do that, but then because I started painting, what I, I was like, I really have this desire to put them in the street. Sure. And I think this is why I was probably quite lucky because had I been doing this when I was, like, drinking, yeah. I would have been making a mess, right? Mm-hmm. Had I been doing it when... I was actually trying to discover my style. I would have been making a mess, right? So people wouldn't have liked it. People wouldn't have been like, this stuff looks shite, yeah. or he's making a mess. Whereas I was quite fortunate that obviously I just, so if anybody was ever to ask, what's the bit of advice you would give to somebody that's getting into graffiti? Mm-hmm. Everybody gives the same advice, right? Sketch. Like sketch, find sketch, your style sketch. first. It's not, even, it's not even really find your style first. It's just sketch, right? So I think that there is space for people to go out and tag and stuff like that. I think that that needs to happen because a lot of that informs the, your style, basically. Sure. If, like graffiti as a style is totally informed by the fact of needing to do it fast, like the jaggy lines. So like I would say, as much as I'd probably say that I'm a street artist, there's certain things that I do, like even just kind of the way that that's filled in, yeah. it's kind of filled in in like a graffiti manner, like I kind of paint it like that. And yeah. this is all in like these kind of lines, I kind of flick them. Sure. And that's all informed by, I only learned how to do that because I was in the street and I was like, oh fuck, you just need to, you I'm in a hurry. You're in a hurry, <laughs> so you just paint. And so I just, I started realizing that at SW3, I was, I was spending like the full day there, but it was becoming quite like, I was being quite harsh on myself because I'm like, oh, I want to get this perfect. And it mm-hmm. wasn't that enjoyable, it was enjoyable, but it was a different thing. So then I was like, I'm going to paint the streets. And Mark was like, don't paint the streets, man. <laughs> like, why? Why? Just because of the like, risk that comes with it. He was like, you're 28, man. Like, why are you going to do it now? Like, mm-hmm. fuck that. He'd been doing it since he was like 14, 15, and, sure. and then had a very lengthy career and became pretty big in natural graffiti. Sure. And then kind of moved away from it and became like more mm-hmm. uh, sort of muralist. And I think he was just like, don't do it, man. Like, for one... You don't get any thanks, do you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to be like, oh, yeah, amazing, man. And it's like, don't do it. But I was like, no, man, there's something about it. I want, I've always imagined these things out in the street. I've always loved street art, right? So there's these guys called the London Police sure. who are from London, but they stayed in Amsterdam. And they're like, along with like kind of, they were up coming up when Banksy was about. So as much as Banksy's pure hailed as like, oh, this, the reason for street art is, it's actually like, so the London Police, a guy called D-Face, Another few guys were like really instrumental in making street art this like really big thing. And I've just always loved them. I've like, since I was that age, I've been like, since like about 2000, I've been following graffiti and street artists. Right? Sure. So I was like, I want to do it, man. I want to just put them in the street. It was so difficult to get over my fear. Like, What was, was your first one? So it's funny. My first one was actually underneath... I kind of along where St George's Cross is I ended up painting like two heads on it at one point so you can see it as you're coming off the motorway going round to St George's Cross but I did like a set of eyes and a mouth like just the outline mm-hmm. because I was pure terrified and I was like I'm going to try it here and I did that and then my first proper one 
like filled in was the Red Mutant of Anderson, sure. which has its own story. You could, I think, I've saved it on my Instagram. So if you click the Red Mutant of Anderson on like the highlights, it's an amazing story. I still can't believe that it happened. Basically, a blogger discovered my work and was blogging about it, and I didn't know he was blogging about okay. it. And somebody discovered it and sent me, it, and it was like. He named them Big Heats, actually. Really? He's the reason they're called Big Heats. I'd never had a name for these characters, right? Do you know what's fascinating about that? You never called yourself Panda. You never called these Big Heats. It's like this outside world that's watching you. Aye, strange. And appreciating things as it comes along. Well, that was like the most bizarre thing with this guy with the blog because he basically discovered the Red Mutant of Anderson. He named it the Red Mutant of Anderson. That was the (laughs) the title of the blog. And it said the Red Mutant of Anderson has this uh, free-eyed, two-mouthed, like... A mutant has popped up underneath the bridge of Anderson and I was like this is fucking but I, I was it was amazing because I got to read them all like they were, there was loads of them so I got to read them all in like succession like in session like, mm-hmm. like do you know I mean like being like boom 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 and I was like this is amazing and what he was saying was the council painted over it and so he made a blog saying the red mutant of Anderson is gone <laughs> and he was like and he was it was it was crazy I went through his blog and I found other things about him being really anti-graffiti so he was so anti, he was like, talking about chopping people's hands off, throwing them off roofs, like the proper, like, mm-hmm. I was actually saying, see the thing about putting my face out, right? Mm-hmm. I was saying to Leslie the other day, like, I don't really know why to do this because people look at graffiti as if it's like paedophilia or something like that. They're like, this is fucking chop these people's hands off, do you mm-hmm. Who wants to be the face of that, do yeah. Who wants to actually be a representative You're of You're putting yourself thing? in the fire only. And it's like, fuck that. So it is a bit nerve wracking, but then I'm like, Fuck that shit, Ryan. It's fucking yeah. art, Ryan. Yeah. So this guy's blog was amazing because he wrote saying the council needs to have a way of differentiating between the mindless fucking hustles and the actual totally creativity. Totally agree. Totally agree. No, but, no, but I don't. You agree. don't know, do I don't, you? I don't agree at all because I wouldn't be doing the stuff that I'm doing if it wasn't for graffiti, right? If it wasn't for these mindless. And also, there's like a book called Crimes of Style by a guy. Um, I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book in the 90s. He's a criminologist, and it's all about the language that gets used about graffiti. And it's always like they're raping the city. Total, like, language that's really, really, like, negative and really... And it's like, but why are people so against this? And it's because that thing of this element of control, right? So in society, you you want to walk about and feel safe, right? So if you're walking about and going, how the fuck are they doing that? Like, wait a minute, like, they're getting away with this. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you feel safe, John. Sure. But it's because we're in this, like, we're in a society of fear where if there's no police about it, it's dangerous and it's, oh, it's scary, John. Yeah. You don't want to walk through a scheme at night or something because you're like, oh, fuck, that'll get attacked. Sure. But it's like, you can probably walk through a lot of places, John, and it's like... A, for me, there's a large part of you need to be trusting about society and it goes back to that community as a whole. Yeah. We now live in communities where we aren't a community face-to-face. You know, and, and if we were more face-to-face, then you would feel more relaxed, you would feel more at home. And I, I'm reading um, a book just now called The Gift by Lewis Hyde, and it talks about, so it talks about gift economies around the world. And so societies or like tribes and stuff like that were using gift, and they would never use like money or barter or anything like that. Sure. The only people they would actually use money with is outsiders, because they can't trust them. So they're like, we have to use money, or we have to use some form of barter or money, mm-hmm. because we can't be sure that they're going to return the gift. Whereas everybody else is in the community and so they can kind of be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, so I'm really intrigued by, right, so Graffiti was born in the 70s in New York. New York was falling down. New York was in fire, right? This was born out of that thing of, like, so I'm really interested in kind of like non-violent communication and like needs. So mm-hmm. people, humans have needs that need to be met. And if they're not being met, they will do their behaviour 
will kind of act out that need. Sure. So we have a need to be seen and to be heard. If you're living in like a ghetto in New York, right, and you're going, fucking help us, Jane, like what the fuck's going on? Nobody's listening. Potentially what you might start doing is going, yo, we're fucking here, Jane, yeah. and writing your name going, we are fucking here, we exist. A lot of that probably goes back to in Scotland as well. You talk about these schemes, you know, where there's, there's young teams when we were younger and folk are writing the name of their young team on right. a wall. That's because they're not getting heard, you know, and they're wanting to shout louder than the rest of you. You know, that, that's their way of crying out for attention, which, in my opinion, they might not be getting at home or they might not be getting for their friends. It's expressing themselves in a way they're, they're trying to push themselves at the forefront. That's what I think is amazing about it, and this is what I've started. So I've started, I've, I've basically started my own social enterprise, right? Sure. It's called Colourways. And I started that because I want to see Glasgow filled with art, right? I love going to like London, Barcelona and stuff like that. I think it's amazing. I think it's really beautiful. And I have this idea that graffiti and street art is totally connected to the gift. I mean, it's free. Like, this is why people are attracted to it. This is why there's bloggers yeah. going about spending their fucking time. <laughs> right, about you. <laughs> do I mean, t- taking their time to actually document this stuff, right? It's because you can tell, wait a minute, these people are just doing this, right? Yeah. There's a beauty in the gift, right? There's beauty in, like, not monetizing things. We are like in a studio just now and I've got like loads and loads of prints that I sell. Sure. But that's like helping me paint more characters in the street, join. So it's like a, you kind of need to fund it somehow because we live in a capitalist society or whatever, join. Absolutely. But I think there's a beauty in that and I think if you could encourage that more. So I realised what I was trying to do by painting these heads everywhere was like encourage, to basically just show like, oh look, you can actually do this mm-hmm. and it's not the end of the world and you should just go for it basically. Were you, just before you go in about colourways, were you taking aback when you seen people start appreciating this and thinking, you know, this is adding to the city rather than uh, detracting from it? Because I suppose you weren't really doing it for, you know, I think for me, it was, praise. I, certain things, certain things kind of blew my mind, right? So that blog really blew my mind. Another thing, I, I had new neighbours move in and I was speaking to my neighbour at the back door and I had like a high-vis vest on and I was going out at night and we were chatting and I, I kind of sensed that he was quite cool and I was like, what do you do? And he was like, oh, I run like a community radio station. Sure. Turns out he knew like loads of hip-hop people that I knew. And I what one is it? It's in, oh, he's going to hate me for not knowing it. Um, Southside? No, no, it's no. like Easter House or something. Right, maybe or some, like sure. one of those kind of places a wee bit further out. And he basically was like, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm the manager of the skate shop. And he was kind of like, all right, okay. What are you could, thinking about night? I could tell he was kind of looking at me going like, what are you doing now? And I, or almost. And I was like, oh, right. by the way, like I, I paint these characters. Or I do I, I do street art, I think I said. And he said, like, what do you paint? Right. And I was like, oh, I paint these characters. And he's like, no way. Like, are you, do you paint the big, like, do you paint the big heads? And I was like, aye, what? And he's like, man, my wife and my son are obsessed with these. Right. Like, they are, like, they go about everywhere taking every photo of them. They're like, they're so obsessed. And I was like, yeah, it's amazing. So like that's what I mean. Like I I think I've said this to you before. Like it fascinates me, and I love them, and I'm so intrigued by them. So like, and that's somebody that comes from a background that I've never sprayed it, painted anything. You know, like I'm clueless with that, but I love it. It's just you're connecting with people that are they involved in that scene. Aye, so I think that was I'm probably lucky because I feel as though I kind of grew up on like the Beano and the Simpsons, (laughs) and that's totally influenced the kind of the characters. I was always just interested in that thing about like the kind of darkness of The Simpsons in a way, and how they were managing to do it. And I think, kind of accidentally, I started drawing them with like these big jaws, right? Sure. And I never really meant for it to be like that, but I used to love taking Eckies, right? And I was always taking Eckies, and it's just, they just so happened. And I like the idea that I just paint these big heads. People don't know that potentially, I was almost going to wear an old T-shirt that I had that said, take drugs. I used to make T-shirts that said, take drugs, because I, I love that idea of making a t-shirt that was so like in your face because it's like just say no and I'm like that's not a good drunk message to give yeah. to him because it just 
It's the same of that thing of like, put these people over here, trying The same way that people try and deal with graffiti. They go, no, eradicate, trying Doesn't it work? See, the more you push people away, the more you'll be met with resistance. Exactly, and that's the thing. And it just encourages, it almost just like, like uh, people just become more resolute. I'm going to do this. I'm going to find ways to do it. So, I, it was just bizarre. So ended up, it was amazing. His son was like ten, nine or ten. Started like putting wee notes from my door of his drawings of the big kids. Oh no way! It was incredible. I recently painted him a skateboard, which was like everything coming pure right. full circle. I got to paint him a head on a skateboard with his wee head on the body. Oh, and I was just like, yes, this is like I just feel like so fucking blessed to be able mm-hmm. to do that. And that's like madness to me to be in this situation. Mm-hmm. But I think also. I've always idolised, like, really looked up to, like, street artists and graffiti writers and been like, these people are amazing. Do you know what I mean? I've always been so inspired by it. Yep. So, for me, there was a video, actually, of this guy talking about being a photographer of street art and then eventually somebody was like, why don't you make your own? And he was like, no, no, I couldn't do that. And then he starts doing it and then all of a sudden he's part of the thing and he was like, he's like, it made me feel as though I was, like, on the sidelines and then I was, like, part of the game yeah. and I was allowed to play and everybody was encouraging me to play. And that's how I felt, man. I was like, and that's why I've always been like, you should get into this. Anybody that's ever asked me for anything, I'm always like, do this, do that. Here's where you get paint. This is how you do it. And I'm always just trying because how fucking lucky am I trying to be in this situation? I've spent so much of my time going, excuse me, like, can you tell me what brush you use? Or like, you need to, because that's how you learn. And it's just like, and it's just so nice. But like, there's quite a sort of, like, there's a, kind of hardcore mentality of like you need to suffer you need to like work things out yourself mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like you shouldn't be people shouldn't like feed you and I'm really intrigued by like and it happens in skateboarding as well it's like so there's this idea of people want inclusivity right so it's like right well we want it to be inclusive but how do you adjudicate or how do you how do you kind of improve right so there was a, a street artist from London who posted this really shit street art right and I'd been in London the week before and I'd saw it and I'd said to my friend, like, that's so shit, like, it's so bad. It's just really generic and really crap. And I was like, I feel really bad for saying that. And he posted it saying, this is the worst. Mm-hmm. And I was like, message him saying, I feel really bad though. Like, yeah. And he was like, look, man, seeing an unacademically critiqued art form such as graffiti and street art, there has to be some kind of, like, we have to, we have to almost police it ourselves. Sure. We have to hold each other to account. Because if we don't, if there's no kind of level of critique, then it will never improve. And that, and I'm just really intrigued by that balance of how do you bring people in? How do you make it inclusive for everybody? Because I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of hazing type stuff that goes on, mm-hmm. and I think that's fucking horrible. And I really don't like it. And I, there's like so in graffiti, you you get called a toy. Mm-hmm. If you're just starting out, you're a toy. You're rubbish. So it's like in, in skateboarding, it's like you're a grom, but a grom is kind of almost like you're just learning. Whereas a toy is like you're shit. Yeah. So it's quite, it's quite toxic nasty, in a way. Yeah, it's quite yeah. nasty, and it's like. You're always going to be a toy, like you may as well. And it's quite, but it's almost like people want you to prove yourself. Sure. But I feel as though that's almost like I'm interested in trauma and stuff like that, and how trauma you can have that kind of phoenix rising right? yeah. thing from trauma. But it's a certain but, type of person that has that phoenix, isn't it? Other people exactly. will never get over that trauma. Exactly, and they'll be fucked. So it's like, yeah. well, should we really be? You need to take this, like, every person as an individual <laughs> rather than. Yeah. I, and I think if you've just got this blanket, no, we need to struggle. Yeah. It's like some people aren't going to succeed. I'll, I kind of reflect sometimes on my mum was a single parent so I didn't really grow up around much money and stuff like that so I didn't really have like oh there's success really do you mm-hmm. and I feel I always feel really guilty saying that but my mum struggled do you know? she was working multiple jobs at times do you know? she was always so fucking class do you know? she, she works in the kibble 
Oh, brilliant. Do you know what I mean? So it's like Good. school for kids with behavioural issues and stuff like that. So I've always, she's been working there since I was like 13, 14, I think. So sure. I've always been super, super interested in like that type of yeah. thing, do you know what I mean? Which is now really nice that I get to do youth work because I just feel as though I've got like a really embodied sense of like, aye, this is mm-hmm. how this should be done or whatever. And I just think that aye, it's, a, it's, it's dangerous if you're going to, like, so I, I don't think, I think there was certain things that happened to me maybe during like my mum leaving my dad because he was an abusive alcoholic sure. kind of growing up without my dad mm-hmm. I think that probably had an impact on my ability to like kind of believe in myself and I certain things like that yeah. and I think you don't know what that person's been through so if you go you're a fucking wee toy bastard yeah. they're going to go like they could regress on themselves and it could they just be, go like that yeah. and they just never try it again so I always think about all the people that somebody was like you're shite and mm-hmm. they just go fuck that You've he- you hear it all the time Jim, totally. people saying like oh my art teacher like I was listening to something and they were like oh yeah my art teacher told me not to and it took them like 20 years to actually start doing the thing that they yeah. wanted to do because they had just and that's the type of person that should be encouraging you especially in a professional capacity I know. know and so that's the thing so I've now entered in this kind of strange position where because I've started Colourways as a social enterprise a lot of it is I've been really lucky with the youth group G20 that I work with they do training with like the violence reduction unit. Sure. I've also been really intrigued because I used to go to a youth group myself uh, called Volition right. that was hosted by Loki. Oh, amazing. Also, when I was younger, I used to go to this shop in Paisley called the Seventh Chamber and I was used to dog school and go there and stuff like that. It was the first time I ever smoked weed and stuff was in there. Mm-hmm. It was basically a really formative place for me. That's where all the graffiti writers went. She sold spray paint, she sold sure. skateboards. It was fucking amazing. She actually passed away as well, unfortunately. It's weird actually, RIP to Helen who ran the Seven Chamber and also RIP to Raid who painted the rooftop that I mentioned because yeah. these are all super, They've super, shaped your life. They've shaped my life yeah. so much and I, I always, even in Grant as well, it's just like, fuck, these have all played such a big part in kind of shaping me. I actually think Grant passing away kind of maybe gave me a bit of a kick up the arse to go and paint the streets yeah. because I was like, fuck, like, I need to, what's the, I'm just, I just need to do this. So, this shop though was like, it was just so interesting as kind of being in that shop and just like growing up there and she used to always play Loki and as <laughs> soon as I heard Loki I was like what is this? like this I was obsessed with Eminem and then he and Loki I was like so I can, pre- Scottish guy I can pre- remember the lines do you know what I mean it's like uh, who shot you it wasn't me I'm terrified of guns I'd pray to get them banned but I'm petrified of nuns <laughs> and I'm just like oh this is incredible right. this is the, like, just speaking like my language yep. so I was obsessed and then getting into Scottish hip hop and then like started seeing him about at gigs and stuff like that I was going to KG and I was like sneaking into bars and stuff like that and kind of became kind of close to him and then he started Volition mm-hmm. which was like a youth group and we were all partying and I was doing graphic design at the time so I was like I'm going to be the graphic designer and sure. We were organising gigs and stuff. It was incredible and it was called Volition because of your own volition. You came there and you said, I want to do this and you go, right, cool. Let's you work, can do it. Let's work right. out to do it. I recently heard them on the radio and it was quite, it's mad actually, I'm just thinking about it, who I was with and stuff like that. It was quite, I was helping somebody film something that became pretty massive and it was, I just feel really privileged to have helped film that thing. And as we were waiting to go out and film, we were listening to Sonny Govan and Loki What's came on and he spoke about volition and he said, all I did was I basically said to these people, whatever you want to do, you can do. Like, you actually can do it. It's empowering people. And I was like, fuck, I totally remember that feeling like we could do anything. Like, yeah. we actually, and I'd never felt that before. It was, a, it was just so, so good, man. And 
certain things happened, they kind of the group kind of fell apart, and it maybe like I was certain things, and it was like, but I've now looked back and I'm like, fuck man, he was like he was at the age that I was learning to stop drinking or whatever, right? Yeah. And he was fucking organising this whole thing. And I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck was he doing that? Like, sure. this is incredible. Meanwhile, making like amazing after, class amazing, hip-hop. a classic, classic yeah. hip-hop, like, yeah. album after album. I'm like, wow, man. Like, so I don't know, just all this is kind of, I've always been like a total, like, I'm obsessed with hip-hop. Right? And mm. I love the idea of hip-hop, the culture of it, like how it can empower you. I've got a mentor just now. Right. who was one of the first he's called Sace Lockhart and he was in Two Tone Committee which was like the first ever hip hop group he came in the shop one day when I wasn't working and was like oh do you know the guy that does them and my workmate like the boys that worked in there were kind of like eh. in case it's a cop and he was like look by the way I'm actually like a pure well known hip hop guy I made like a the Scottish hip hop documentary sure. for the BBC and they're like alright cool yeah he's the manager of the shop blah blah like, and he left his number I don't think he knew anything about me I don't know I still yeah. don't really know I need to ask him but this is when I just started Colourways. He came into my, like, he just left a note in the shop and I yeah. gave him my phone and I was like, I could we meet up or whatever? And I'd, I'd known every other member of Two Tone Committee. Sure. Right? And I was just like, how is this possible? How have we not connected? Guy? How have we not connected? I don't know yeah. how we've never met. And it was just mad, basically. We just went and I was like, I've started this social enterprise. I'm trying to work out how to get funding. And he's like, well, I run, I'm like the manager of Music Plus and I've dealt with like funding for the past like, 20 years or whatever Amazing. I can help you and just having him being there and just going and I'm, he's like you can do this and he's like and he's like, do you know how you can do this because you're the only one out there doing it right? like, you're the actual you're, nobody else is in knocking business doors just going mm-hmm. can we can we paint your wall like, yeah. nobody's out doing that man you're the person you've totally. decided you've got off your arse and I'm like fuck I actually have mm-hmm. but it's total it's really difficult I've just I've just recently got did like a whole big funding thing, so I've just been awarded twenty five grand. So coming from it's a journey, eh? it's some journey. Man, it's fucking mental, right? I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, how is this actually happened to me? I've got an amazing video that I took. I'm gonna upload it to my channel soon. Before I did the pitch that I had to do, so I had to make a big twelve page business plan and stuff, which I'd never done before. I had to do like a two year cash flow projection, all this stuff that I'd never done before. I spoke to my old boss from the Admiral and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? I think he phoned me for something random. I'm like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, it doesn't matter. Like, other people have done this. Aye. I'm sure, he's like, you know everybody. Go and ask go somebody. Go and Aye. ask somebody to help you. And I was like, fuck, so Sace helped me so much. Just like, change this, do this, and like say this bit or whatever. And he's like, it looks good. And I'm like, this is mental. So, but I had to give a pitch. Mm-hmm. And in the pitch, I finished basically by explaining that this money would change my life because I used to worry about money so much and I was never able to dream because I was like, well, I can't do that because I've got no money. Recently, when I was working in the shop, I managed to save a wee bit of money. And it's funny because the first therapy session I had, right, I started going to therapy. The first therapy session I had, the woman kind of said to me like, why don't you like pick a number then, Jane? like when you can quit your job? Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, cool. I never picked the number, but at a certain point I was like, I can come to job, John. Like, yeah. I'm ready to do it. I got funding last year as well from the same social enterprise sure. funders. And I realised that that fund... And then I got furloughed. <laughs> right, okay. So I realised that I got the funding in uh, April. And then I got furloughed. Like, so I've, I'd been furloughed and then I got the funding. Sure. And I remember just being like, oh, what the fuck? Like, they just gave me five grand. Yeah. Pure like, somebody's gave... Like, the, the government have gave me five <laughs> grand to start a social enterprise to do mm-hmm. a street graffiti. How is this possible? Yeah. Amazing. amazing and f- 
for I guess for me, I just want to I want to show people how you can do that because I had no fucking clue how, how I did it. Do you know I, mean? I still don't. Mm-hmm. I've now I'm that's why I'm trying to document a lot of stuff yep. because I'm like I don't have a clue. Do you know what I mean? But I've realised there was an amazing, amazing talk I watched with Amy Whiting and KMG. Yeah, and so Amy Whiting used to run a gallery in Glasgow called Recoat Gallery, sure. and they were doing a talk about painting murals. And somebody asked a question, and she goes, "See that feeling that you've got when you're like." If I can only get to this point, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, cool, I know what I'm doing. She's like, that never happens. You never know what you're doing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Things get easier. You get used to Constantly things. Constantly winging it. <laughs> you're always winging it. Right? Things just get bigger. You're always having to wing it. Yeah. And I was like, really? Like, is that what it's always like? Yeah. I think we all have that feeling, like, just if I can mm-hmm. get to that point, then it'll be fine. No, so once that kind of, hearing her say that, I was like, because I really I really, up, I, I really look up to them and I'm like, Oh, fuck yeah like cool right sweet right nobody knows what they're doing and I remember my therapist in that first therapy session as well said sounds like you really want to go and paint like you really want to go and do this and I'm like I do she's like just go and do it man like, what about the police and stuff like that and she's like just deal with that John. if you really want to do it just yeah. go and do it and I was pure laughing because I was like, do you think I could say to them that it's part of my therapy? <laughs> like if they came up, I'm like, I'm really sorry. Therapist man. Me, mate. My therapist told me, right? I'm just working, I was working through some shit. And what ended up happening was amazing. So like my therapy was on, kind of mind the street, but it's like down from like a variety bar. And where I wanted to paint was next to their garage. I'd, I'd looked at this wall every single day coming back to work. I was like, I'm going to paint that, going to paint that, going to paint it. Uh, she told me she's like go and do it so I went home and I ordered a ladder right <laughs> and the ladder said oh, it's going to arrive on Monday and I was like fuck I really want to paint it on Sunday like I'm really desperate to paint yes. it on Sunday fuck it it's fine just patience I'm working on Saturday and a guy walks in with this box and I'm like what and he's like oh yeah delivery for it and I'm like what and then I open it and it's the ladder and I'm like nothing ever comes early <laughs> like what the fuck like, so like, this is a sign you need to go and paint it tomorrow morning and so I went it was the middle of summer four in the morning I'd painted some things before this but this whole idea of like being on like a really busy street mm-hmm. and with a ladder and like just doing it and I went I was there for like an hour bouncers were stopping coming out of the garage talking to me like going oh this looks like people were, we were just dealing with that and I was like oh no like <laughs> it was amazing I cycled back up to the shop and I was like fuck yes like I've fucking done it I was like what the fuck I've just done it like I've actually just painted the thing like and that's the most empowering thing, right? So if you, and that's what I've realised, the power of graffiti and street art, right? You look at something and you go, I think I could do that. And then you go and do it. And you literally just do it. And that's why it's so beautiful because, and that's why I kind of hate when people are like, oh, but they did it here and they did it there. And it's like, do you know how difficult it is, right? To go and ask people and then somebody just say, no, join. And I get that that's maybe part of the parcel of like society is that people are going to say, no, don't do this. And you need to keep trying, you need to keep trying. Do you know how beautiful it is to just go and do it? Just do it. Yep. The thing that everybody keeps saying to me is don't seek permission. Ask for forgiveness after. Apparently every successful person lives by this rule, mm-hmm. right? If you need to seek permission, you're never going to get anywhere, Jane. It's it's like, it's too many, you're adding too many steps, Jane, yeah. and you're basically putting the hands in somebody else. Mm-hmm. You're powerless if somebody says, no, right, okay, excuse me, can I do this thing? No, Jane, where's yeah. the power in that, Jane? You've done it. Deal with the consequences later. Exactly. If somebody's really that bored, fuck, I'll go and paint over it. Do you yeah. know? I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not doing this to be a dick. I'm doing this because something inside me really, really wants to do this. Like, I'm getting pulled to do this thing. Totally. And it's just like, 
I don't know, I feel as a why do you why would people be against that, John? And I want to ask you about this because I've loved that <laughs> chat, but the one thing that annoys me and we spoke before we were recording about this is the council covering graffiti up, you know, or, or street art or whatever art form it is, <laughs> because somebody's complained about it. And the money specifically that Glasgow City Council spend on it, Aye. it was it was your Instagram story that educated me in this and I, I put out a tweet about it about a month or two ago, and it's the amount of people that were replying saying, That is fucking ridiculous. Why are they doing that? You know, use, what you are doing specifically, spe- really down the Clyde is where it stands out for me, is you are making the city look brighter and a better place. And like you say, folk are going down there and taking photos with their kids next to it. Yeah. What the fuck? I was cycling along the canal to come here and a guy was taking a photo of a thing and I'm just like, see, people like this stuff, John. Like, yeah. And I think for me, I, I don't know, the, the spend was crazy. So I, I started, as I was saying before we started, was... I started to get really interested in the how they actually remove graffiti. And because I, so there was a pillar at Charing Cross and I stayed around the corner from it. So Socky Hall Street became and it's, and it's strange, I guess, right? So for me, I'm a bit of a strange type because I felt a sense of ownership and I felt a sense of like community mm-hmm. for Socky Hall Street, right? Because I lived on Socky Hall Street, I worked on Socky Hall Street, I drank on Socky Hall Street, I yep. fucking grew up in Socky Hall Street, basically. I used to go to the art school, I used to go to Sleazy's, I mean, I was always yep. about that. So I felt as though... This is my bit. Do you know what I felt <laughs> actually, which is fucking mental, right? And this is why I'm so justified in what I do. I used to fucking stumble up and down there. I used to be an arsehole to people there. I used to be a pure prick to people drown on that street and I was probably like lying about waiting at points on that street so no one ever said here mate excuse me like what are you doing don't do this drown mm-hmm. everybody was like oh fuck I just another drunk person on Sucky Hill Street but I actually just want to go and paint drown and I want to bring something like this is something that I care about so so much this is what I love this right so I always like write kind of why I do it and why I enjoy it because I'm like I've love this so much I mean, and I know that there's other people that are going to get like something so powerful out of it, even if it's just a couple of people like I'm sure if everybody was like to go into themselves and go if I could change one person's life in my whole entire life that would be incredible right how beautiful would that be to just change one bit like for somebody to come to you at the end of your life and go see that thing that you did you totally changed my life you'd be like fuck amazing yeah. right can die happy and I feel as though every bit of graffiti that gets done could top, could be the spark. It could be the spark that instead of somebody going down one path, they go, do you know what? I'm going to get into art, trying. Yeah. That's so class. And I just think like, I started getting really intrigued by why are they so against this, right? So I painted on the, the pillar. The council painted over a mural that they paid for on Chan Cross. That sums it up. <laughs> so I know exactly right. You've painted over the own, your own thing that he's paid for. <laughs> Madness, right? So that really bugged me. And I was like, why have they done that, right? So I decided, well, I'm going to go and paint it. And they painted straight back over it. And I was like, what the fuck? And I wrote pure, I'd be able to find it somewhere on my Instagram, like these stories. And I was like, the fucking council, because the council has a mural trail, right? Mm-hmm. The council pays people, right, to paint murals, right? These people that are able to paint murals can only paint the murals because they started off as graffiti writers. Sure. That's like, they don't, they didn't just come out of fun They didn't like come out from art school and then go, oh, and they can now paint murals. They literally perfected their craft by being graffiti writers. Smug, I would love to, I was actually going to ask potentially we could throw some images in. Mm-hmm. There's totally. pictures of Smug, right? Down, there's a spot called the Brayhead Tunnels. So it's next to Bra- the Brayhead, like Ikea and stuff yeah. like that, underneath the motorway there. And Smug has painted some of the most incredible paintings, right? The same quality that it does on a fucking building, right? Yeah. In a, underneath a motorway. Nobody has ever seen them unless they've seen these photos or whatever, right? Yeah. I used to go to, I went down there when I was a wee guy and I was just like what the fuck 
this, this is incredible. But how shite it is that in our society, people have to seek out these spots. Yeah, they have to do them enough. They have to see, and yeah. it's like the only reason he's good is because he was in those spots, right? Mm. He's actually, like, he was in Australia, so I think he was kind of managing to navigate a kind of way of, he's he had his solo show at Juddy Roller, actually, mm. which is another kind of full circle thing as well. But it's like, imagine, so the council spent 650 grand a year, right? For the past like 10 years, pretty much, right? They've spent that amount of money removing graffiti. In the past 12 years, they've spent 129 grand, I think it was, on murals, right? So if you imagine, like, the murals have made a massive difference to the city, right? They've, they're always celebrating, going, look, the murals are so popular with the tourists. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it, they're so popular. Imagine you took... And this is when it gets really interesting. So I got a freedom of information request, right? Because I was like, I want to find out. I'd found a newspaper article that explained how much, like, kind of per meter or something. Like, they'd spent 500 grand or something, right? When it first started, it was like Queen Glasgow initiative or something. So it's 500 grand and it was like X amount of football pitches worth of graffiti. So I was like, I'm really intrigued by, like, how are they quantifying this? And I was also intrigued... But they're not cleaning it. They're just make, putting grey paint over the top of it, aren't you know? Well, that's it's like that's the thing. It's kind of it's, I that's a whole discussion you could get here. Like <laughs> sometimes they buff things now, right? They paint over it and they don't even use good enough paint to remove it, so you can still see the thing. And I'm like, imagine this was like a big dick or something like that, right? And you're painting over it because it's offensive, but you've used like really thin paint, so people can still see the dick. It's not like so if you if somebody's complained about the big heat, right? People might think that's fucking just like a big. Dick, do you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking as bad as a big dick, right? It annoys me as much as a big dick, right? I find it as offensive as a big dick. Paint over it. And then you go by and you're like, ah, they've kind of... I can still see it. I can still kind of see it. Still, is it, like, less annoying now Mm -hmm. that you can only kind of see it? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I don't understand. So, but I guess that's been quite nitpicky, do you know what I mean? And I almost feel like they're probably cutting costs, like, watering down the paint or Mm -hmm. something, do you know what I mean? But I was curious about, is this actually offensive or, like, because... I feel as though there needs to be an argument for if somebody draws a swastika or something like that, that's yeah, offensive. Do you know what I mean, that's like, that's a hate thing, right? Sure. You don't want that. So I asked in the Freedom of Information request, is there like a table? How do you quantify like what is racist, what is what? And it was amazing. They sent me back. So they have categories. So they have racist, homophobic, sectarian, and like miscellaneous or something. There was like, it was something else. And then they have general, right? So in 2019, there was like 6,000 reports of graffiti. Of that 6,000, 5,500 were general graffiti, right? right? So they don't fit into any of those offensive categories. So I'm like, wait a minute, right? So we're spending 650 grand a year removing graffiti that is largely inoffensive, like the majority of it. So you could probably spend like 100 grand tops, and that's been kind to them, Mm John, because 500, John, like, you could spend 100 grand Getting rid of the offensive stuff. Getting rid of the offensive stuff. Take the other 500 grand and put it in the murals. Like, imagine how mental the city would be. Like, the city would be incredible, right? I go to Berlin and Barcelona and stuff like that, and I'm, like, walking about going, what the fuck? Like, Yardworks has a festival, right? The council has never supported it, right? They're like, like, we're not going to support that. It's graffiti. I've tried to get the mural trail thing, right? I was going to do, like, a pilot scheme with them. And they're like... Yeah, we're into it, but could you, like, these artists here, is, it's kind of too much like graffiti. And I'm like, but that's what I'm supporting. I'm supporting graffiti. Yeah. And they're like, we can't really be seen to be supporting graffiti. And I'm like, but you are supporting graffiti, but you buy these murals. Yeah, but as long as it doesn't look like graffiti, then it's fine. What's the point in that? Right. 
tell the story, tell the truth, Jane. Yeah. Oh no, but you can't do that because then people would go, why the fuck are you spending that much money removing graffiti? Mm-hmm. All right, graffiti isn't it bad. All right, <laughs> yeah. fuck shit. Like, what have we been told? What? I'm, it's like you can't legalize cannabis, Jane. Except, oh no, wait, you fucking can legalize cannabis. But there's that thing where like, oh, well, we we can't legalize it now because fuck, what about all the? I mean, what about all the guys in jail? And that's a fucked up yeah. thing in America is there's still all the guys in jail, predominantly Absolutely. black guys in jail, right? Absolutely. That are like getting fucked, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were, it's like, no, this is stupid, mm-hmm. right? So I'm really intrigued by the kind of intersection of like drug laws, graffiti laws, basically like laws of control. Like why are they trying to control this, right? Yeah. Why can they not just allow... Because I think people have this idea of anarchy. But a lot, of, a lot of it as well goes back to the fact that the people that are doing these are predominantly for working class areas, you know, are predominantly for poorer backgrounds and, and they're criminalising people that don't fit a certain class. Well, that, uh, there's an interesting thing for that. There's like a kind of, at a certain point, a lot of kind of middle class people start getting involved in it. And I guess it's like hip-hop in a way, right? Yeah. Like, hip-hop's kind of born and sort of graffiti's kind of connected to that. So it's born out of that, the struggle. Yeah. But then at some point people are like, fuck, this is really cool. Yeah. I want to get involved in this and I would never want to like diminish the power of it to help other people as well because I've been reading sort of books about we're all basically exactly who we're supposed to be in that moment, right? So everything that has happened to us has led us to that point. So people are like, fuck the Tories, right? I used to fucking go to uh, gyro babies gigs and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And be like, fuck the Tories, right? And it's like, but I'm actually realising wait a minute, it's, they're human beings, right? Fuck the Tories is actually quite sort of dehumanising, right? Because you could be walking in the street and somebody's like, hey, I'm a Tory, vote for us. And somebody could kick their head in, right? Because they've been dehumanised so much that like, I fuck them, they're evil. They're not actually evil, do you know what I mean? They've probably, everything that's happened in their life has probably led them at that point thinking, this is sound, right? This is good. Billionaires, everything that's happened to them. They're a product of their environment the same way that somebody for a council scheme is a product of their exactly. environment. Exactly, and know. I think that's what kind of gets lost a wee bit It's sometimes. where it confuses me is when people cross that divide, you know, and then it starts getting a bit more hazy. I know, I, I find it so interesting. And I've kinda, I guess I'm kind of struggling with it a wee bit just now as well because there's a kind of, there's a crabs in the bucket mentality, right? And I, once I discovered this phrase, I was like, wow, this is amazing. So it's like, once you start being a bit successful, so when I started painting them, and people started like writing things on them yeah. and I found out I knew who was doing like I knew the people that were writing on it I was like why are you doing that mm-hmm. and they're like oh because the council isn't painting over your stuff and I'm like man like what the fuck they paint over it all the time yeah. and it's like so once you start getting to a certain level people and that's why the crabs in the bucket thing is if every crab individually just like went out the bucket they'd be fine but what happens is one crab starts going out and the other Drags one goes down. no 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 down. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like it's not happening mate That's I mean, get back in here and it's like so they, they use it in terms of like gang violence in America and stuff like that where a, six, a personal kind of like managed to get out of the scheme basically yeah. and people are like no 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 they would fucking get shot or something yeah. you know? like they'll find ways to drag it's almost in. when someone gets that level of success they're, they're cheating on their class you know they're, they're no longer that person you yeah. know rather than being happy for them escaping that lifestyle Loki, Loki's really interesting for this I loved his book Poverty Safari it, it bugged me in some ways because I'm like this book that he's wrote everything that's in it is features in it everyone he's like his albums is pretty much that book yeah. in a way he's, he's obviously kind of evolved in he didn't stuff. get it into the living rooms of these people as an art form in hip hop but, but as soon as he puts I, it in print then it starts Nicholas Sturgeon starts reading it and exactly and, it's so, and I'm glad of that because I'm like thank fuck there's a song that I love there's a lyric by him and he says um, I don't know what it kind of says something like I don't know what I'm going to do with this uh, I don't know where this is going to lead maybe I'll end up jobless uh, maybe I'll pen comics 
and I love I love listening to it because at that moment he doesn't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I like, and I'm like maybe well in like at that moment in time he could have ended up jobless, John. Totally. And I'm like not and he's like, I'm starting to worry that nothing's ever going to happen with these this that these words that I write or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like fuck and how beautiful that he's went on to fucking write this amazing book and just so inspiring, man. But I think in that the kind of the, the thing that he talks about with like personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. He's got a line in one of his tracks where he's like, I think that being the victim's becoming my addiction. Sure. And that's totally like this meant there is a, a danger of that. Do you know what I mean? So he was like, Oh, I was I was given everything, do you know what I mean? So the benefits were given to him. I've got a mate who's been given every benefit. He's like, Why the fuck would I get a job, man? Do you know I mean? Like I'm yeah. taken care of, do you know what I mean? And he's like, I would love to actually be more kind of functioning in society. Yeah. Really difficult to say no to like a grand a month, do you know what I mean? sure. For doing fuck all. Yeah. But that's super Tory rhetoric, do you mm-hmm. mean? So that's really dangerous to go down. Absolutely. But I think once you start feeling like, oh shit, you can actually empower yourself, you start to realise, oh, wait a minute, there's some truth to like actually... But what I don't like is there's this idea that once you've done it, you fucking pull the thing up behind you and go, fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. If only you could fucking work harder, do you mean? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You remember where you came from. Exactly. And I think uh, Graham Armstrong retweeted a thing today mm-hmm. and they were, having, they were talking about that. And I was like, that's so nice, man. And it's so true. I think there's a scarcity mentality, right? Where people are afraid that like once they get something, they're like, I need to protect this. Mm-hmm. So something strange that happened to me recently was a guy started copying my work. And I've, I've seen this, yes. And then so, you ended up buying one of the copies. Aye, so right. Right, it, was, it was weird. It's a kind of long story to it. And, but basically, I kind of knew about this guy ages ago. I never really interacted with him. But I kind of, I went, I saw, I went on his Facebook and I watched a few videos and I was like, this guy's fucking struggling. Do you know what I mean? I've been there, do you know what I mean? I know what it's like to, he was, I was, I'm living in this van just now. I'm in my parents' driveway. Like a grown man and he's like, it's fucking shite, do you know what I mean? And I fucking fell for him. But I was like, I don't know this guy well enough, do you know what I mean? I don't, like, I've, I've got my own life here. I don't know if I can really dive in and try and help this person. So I was like, I'm just going to like patch the message, right? And I kind of, I, I felt a wee bit bad, but I was like, I just don't know if I've got, I don't know if I can take on mm-hmm. somebody else's stuff just now. Kind of like a boundary for me, I guess, which is good. I think it's good to have your boundaries because you can try and help people and it can just fucking, you just stretch yourself too thin. So, but basically what he'd said was, oh, I really like your characters. I'm going to try and do it. And the reason I found out about him was because somebody actually said to me, oh, look, I'm quite worried there's somebody saying they're going to copy your characters and I don't know what they're all about, but maybe, like, it might misrepresent you or something. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, oh, fuck, I, that could look bad on me or whatever. So I was like, all right, okay. And then nothing really happened. And then the guy added me on Instagram or something like that, and I was like, all right, cool, fair enough. And he sent me a photo of this thing that he was working on. And I was like... Initially, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And it was like a big head riding a horse, wearing like an alco shoe right. and then like a negative destination ring on the forehead. And I was like, that's actually really fucking good though. Mm-hmm. Like as much as I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know. It's really fucking good. So I was like, hey man, like this is fucking amazing by the way. The way he'd done it was amazing. It was stencils and stuff like that. So like, this is sick. But I'm just curious, like what's your plan? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of in the defensive because I was kind of like, what's your plan with this, right? Mm-hmm. And I was a wee, I could feel myself being defensive, and he replied, "It's a gift for you." And oh I was like, God. "And it totally like it, it totally <laughs> disarmed me." To yeah. I was like, "Oh fuck, thanks, man! Like wow, fucking hell, that's amazing! Like mm-hmm. fuck!" And I, I totally realized I was like, "You could have been. You were almost going to be up your dick to him there. Right. You were ready for him to say, i 'I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that.'" And I was, you were ready going, "No, you're fucking no." <laughs> but he just went, "It's a gift. I'm reading the fucking gift." So I was like, "It's a gift for me. Wow, fuck, I mate, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing." 
And then a week later, maybe, a guy that I work with, a lot of work on projects with uh, from after the pandemic, actually, messaged me. A guy selling your prints down the Clydeside. Keep in mind that I'm not, like, I have no way to connect these two things, right? So I'm like, what? Aye. Like, is somebody making bootleg prints or something? And I'm like, is it just my stuff? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, in my house, and I'm like, I'm going down there. <laughs> I was kind of like, I'm a, is it worth going down? I don't know. And I kind of listen to my gut a lot of times. So there's been times when I was saying about discovering the buffers or whatever. I would, I would, I would go and look for things and I'd go, I'm going to go down and I would find people and yeah. I would put myself in situations where like synchronicity would happen. I'm going to go down. And I go down and because I've seen the video, as soon as I got it, I'm locking my bike. I'm like, it's the fucking guy. And I was like, fuck, no way. And I'm like, yes. And I go along and I walk up and he's like, no way, you're the guy for colorways. Eh? And I'm like, ah, man, no way. And I'm, I'm, I just start talking because I was go- I was going to try and be incognito because I kind of keep colorways and my old pan and stuff separate. Again, because I was a wee bit paranoid. But this, thankfully, is my kind of coming out. I, I've kind of said it a few times, Ryan, but like this is me honestly just owning the fact that I do them both because yeah. so you they, they are, they are it's, it's like they're one and the same pretty much John. so I, the guy says it and he's like and oh yeah I, I watch your videos I love them man like and then so, so funny some guy drinking a can of like super tea or something comes on <laughs> and he's like no way and starts talking to him and they're like I've not seen you in like 20 years and I was like mate I'm away to get money but I'm coming back and he's like thank you so much man amazing so I come back and it took me ages to get a bank machine right now I, I walk back and I'm like fuck and he's like, oh, thank you so much, man. Like, I'm Sheik, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, I'm Panda. And he's like, no way. Like, what? Man, I'm, no, I'm so sorry. Like, and I was like, mate, don't fucking worry. This is amazing. Like, this is fucking incredible, man. Like, this is, I was just like, so like, these are fucking so good. Hey, I was just like, I, I was just totally like blown away. I was just like, fucking hell, man. Like, these are. But there's so many people that would have been so offended by that. It wouldn't have been. I know, and I think. And almost to go full circle, Panda, if you were still in that headspace where you were drinking, or when, you know, you might have been fucking raging when we started. Or... So, so much, so many things would have been so different if I was still drinking, right? And this is why I always try and be kind of compassionate to people because I forget that people still drink, right? So people have fucked my stuff up and then they're like, me, I was mad at it. And I'm like, do you know what? That's total. I get it, Jane. I did all sorts of stupid shit when I was mad at it, Jane. So the fact that you've did that. I can't take this too personally, John, because of course you do stupid shit when you're mad with it. So this, it was amazing, man. It was just so like, but it, see, to be honest, had I went down there and he hadn't said the thing about the gift like that, he hadn't disarmed me in that way. I think I maybe would have been like, mate, what the fuck? This isn't a sign, John. <laughs> but because that wee thing, that wee interaction, happened, but he was pure affronted. He was like, mate, I'm so sorry. I told you I wasn't, because he did. He said, look, no, this is for you. I'm not going to sell them. I'm not going to do it. And, and then he was like, I just had all this stuff. I've been using your stuff to practice with, right? Because your stuff's quite easy to do. And I was like, I actually know, man. Like, <laughs> That's always, why I do it. <laughs> I was like, I've always been really intrigued by the fact. I've always kind of looked at it and goes, you know what? You could probably do like a stencil of this because they're really simple shapes. And I was like, I've always wondered if it would be possible to do this. So what he did was like the background, then like these colours. And then, because I was like, how can you do a stencil if you need to cut that bit out? It'll mm-hmm. just fall out. You can't make a stencil. And he said, no, no, no. You do the background and then you just do these as the shapes. And I was like, I've thought about that, but I've never bothered my ass to do it, right? Yeah. And I'm just looking at them like, these are so fucking cool, man. And like, I'm really interested in new ways of society, basically. I mean, like, sort of, I'm quite against like capitalism or like kind of neoliberalism in sort of way, right? I don't really like it. And, and I think like, 
that idea of scarcity, like I need to protect my thing, mm. right? That's kind of the downfall. That's capitalism. That's yeah, capitalism. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. The fact that Jeff Bezos has billions is because, <laughs> no, 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 if I give right. too much of that away, then I'm no longer exactly. the fucking guy, right? So I was like, if I really believe, and I've kind of almost been like, I say on it, or I think all this stuff, I journal all this stuff, how do they actually start living this stuff, Join Practice what you preach. This fucking opportunity just presented itself, and I was just like, I sat speaking to the guy for like an hour, and I was just like, this is amazing. He's like, man, you've made my day. A guy came on by and was like, oh man, these are amazing. And he was like, it's actually his stuff. I bumped him, right? <laughs> and he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm away to get my girlfriend, but I'll buy one on the way back. Right. And then the guy added me on Instagram because he's like, what's your Instagram? Right. And he's like, these are amazing. And I was like, these are amazing as well. Right. And he's like, I'm coming back to buy one of them. And I, I, I specifically bought like one of them. He's like, no, no, take the canvas. It's my gift to you. And I was like, no, 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 man. Like, that you will sell that right. and that's fucking amazing on a canvas sure. I'll buy one of these ones like on a print uh, well, it's, still a rich, it's still a painting but it's kind of more like it's sure. more like on a canvas and I was like, I'll buy that I'll post it up I'll tell people to come and buy them and stuff like that because these things have helped me mm-hmm. if I didn't have this giant, yeah. I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be in the situation they wouldn't be everywhere in the city they helped me so much and this is how I managed to stop drinking and stay sober was because of these so if these can help you somehow, like I don't even need to be, like you're doing all the work. Uh-huh. You're actually doing it all. I I'm, these are just a vehicle basically, right? Yep. So you can fucking have that vehicle and then it's like, go for it, man. Like if, I'm like fucking, I just run with it, man. I think it started getting complicated though because he started copying other people who then maybe were a bit like, they a bit like what the fucking, <laughs> and other people have that judgment thing where they're like, why is this guy fucking copying people? Right. And I'm like, look, man, every fucking artist copies people. It's actually a great way to get better. Yep. I think that we're, I, my, even like my mum, my sister and Alessia were a bit like, but would it be sound if it was like somebody else that was doing it? Like, what? And I was like, well, it's sound because this guy fucking needs the help, basically, or whatever, and I'm happy for that. But oh, but what if it was this? And I was like, yeah, maybe I wouldn't be as happy. Yeah. But you but, need to look at in the picture and the present, don't you? Aye, and I think there was just like, for me, I just felt really, really grateful that Zumni liked my stuff enough to fucking take the time to sit and cut out stencils and that and just do it. And then they felt inspired by it because mm-hmm. I've been so, so inspired by other people that to, for that to have flipped was just like, wow, man, like that's like a privileged thing that Absolutely. I'm so, so grateful for. Um, I just like totally grateful for it because I feel as though that's, it's such a beautiful position to be in life, John. I, I honestly sometimes I just sit and I'm like, like I, I meditate sometimes and I'm like, wow, man, like feeling good f- about yourself. What the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. Like it's a pure shock, though, man. Like I think that's just bizarre in a way. How have I ended up here? Mm-hmm. But you should be proud of yourself. And talking of privileges, it, it's been a privilege talking to you. And I, I don't say that lightly. I really appreciate the fact that you're putting yourself out there. You know, you're putting a face to the name and. You're speaking about something that you know in many circles is frowned upon, but in other circles, especially mine, you know, it's it's very much respected. Yeah. And I really, I really appreciate, appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity for it, man, because I think this is part of it. I think being able to actually speak about it and for people to realise, oh wait a minute, mm-hmm. this person cares about that. Maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. Maybe it's not mindless. It is not, right? Yeah. There is so much flaw and back. Like the fact that it's in museums now, right? Graffiti, there is a museum yeah. of graffiti and it's also in massive museums all over the world. It's so easy for people to sit behind their computer chair or their phone and say that they're not happy about something, but once somebody's face is out there and they understand the background and the story behind it, then it's a lot more challenging to criticise. Aye, definitely. And I think it works both ways. I think the graffiti writers maybe potentially need to 
it's, de- it's, it's difficult because it's illegal, right? Mm. But I think there's definitely ways that you can start. Like that's why I would love Clydeside to be legal. Yeah. If that was a legal spot, people would actually realise. Oh wait a minute, these are just normal people. They're yeah. not fucking arseholes, right? Totally. They're not trying to destroy stuff. They're just normal. And that's when things can start balancing out, I think. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, man. Honestly, like, so, so good. (laughs) Thanks to everyone who has listened or watched this podcast. Uh, If you want to check out Panda, I will put all the links uh, in the comments below. And if you've not listened to one before, go back and check out some older ones. Uh, We've had Stanley Odd on, who you obviously done a wee collab with as well. Uh, And Graham Armstrong as well. He mentioned the podcast, who's a a Scottish author. Uh, Loads there to choose from, but thanks very much. Cheers. (laughs) 